you, you get through, you know that the roller coaster ride of life, it just, it, you just keep going. When, when things get tough, you just keep going. You just keep getting up and doing what you have to do and waiting because at some point it all sort of calms down again. I'm not sure when, but you just keep going. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. One of the defining features of the hospitality landscape in recent years is the boom of great eateries in the suburbs. Career professionals that have made their mark in the city, taking their skills and energy to smaller communities and raising the level of everyday eats. With lockdowns forcing us back to our communities, what has been the impact on establishments reliant on these local customers? Susan Sullivan is the co-owner of Baronia Kitchen in the Sydney suburb of Gladesville. Susan, how are you going? Pretty well, Anthony, how are you? I'm good, thanks for joining us. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. What's, what's it been like the last couple of months uh, in Gladesville, uh, trying to run a local restaurant with everything that's been going on with the pandemic? Well, it's certainly been challenging. I don't think anyone if, you know, I would have believed anyone if they had have told me 12 months ago that, you know, in March 2020 you'd have to close your restaurant, you know, because the government told you to because of the pandemic. I just, I don't think anyone would have ever expected that could have happened. You know, there was always this understanding, oh, people will always eat out, you'll always get a job in a restaurant. So I think for the impact to come on hospitality industry, I think it's been huge. I don't think anyone, like I said, when it's so unexpected, I think it's certainly rocked a few people's world, that's for sure. Um, the suburbs, I think, have been a little bit protected in a sense. You know, I, I'm, I must admit I'm glad I don't have a, a restaurant in the city at the moment. Um, the suburbs are are easier because everyone's gone back home, you know. And even even when we started, I think people were really grateful to have a nice, you know, quality suburban restaurant. People liked to drop in and even when, you know, we, we haven't been open that long. We were only open about, oh, I think we turned two. It was our second birthday just in the week or two after we opened, after the first, after the shutdown. And, um, you know, a lot of people were really grateful that we'd that we'd come into the suburbs. So, you know, it's certainly been an interesting couple of months, that's for sure. Before we talk about that sort of impact and what you've done to adapt and change, can you tell us why Baronia Kitchen in Gladesville, you know, I know you're working with Simon Sandal and um, you have a, a sort of a long relationship, working relationship um, from the Morsel Group and with... Uh, the various restaurants that were in that. Um, can you tell us why Gladesville and sort of what you created there? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, um, well, I left Morsel, must be, oh, must be going on five years ago now, um, and that was big. At that time we had eight restaurants um, and growing even bigger, you know. So it was time after that. I think I was working with Matt and Pete for... 23, 24 years or something, 20-something years. Um, wow. And I decided it was time. It's, it was time for a change. It was just, you know, there's there's just a point where you suddenly go, right, you know, I think it's time for me to leave. Um, and then we did, I took about, oh, I took maybe six months off 
but I'd always worked, even if, you know, we always laughed about the fact five days after I had all of my children, I'd always be back doing the pays or something. So I'd always worked, always my life, whether it was work from home or something, I'd always work was part of me. So, you know, I enjoyed not working for a while and then then I sort of had to stop and think, you know, well, what's next? What am I going to do? Um, and then... We did some consultancy. Um, I did some consultancy. I think by the time I chatted to Simon, he'd already left Morsel as well. Maybe, and it was after Pete had left and Simon had left and a few people had left and Jane had done the HR and, you know, we, we, we'd worked together for a long time so we got on really well um, and we decided we would start a consultancy company, which we did. Um, and we still do. We still do consulting now called Vandal & Co. Um, and... It's nice to have a base. I think we missed, we always looked for sites. There were a couple of sites. There were a couple of sites actually we look back on now and think, oh, glad we didn't do that one. Um, so certainly after Pete left, we did keep looking for sites. But I think after you've done it for such a long time, you sort of know which ones might work and which ones won't. Um, but we were looking for a base really. You know, we were looking to start a restaurant. Simon found a site. Simon rang me. I think Pete and I were away at the time. And he said, oh, I found a site. You know, I think... I think it'd be really good. It's around the corner from my place, blah, blah, blah. It's suburban. But it had all the things that we knew ticked the boxes. You know, it was an institute, it was a it was an iconic site in the suburbs. So it had it had been called Il Bolognese. It had been there for like 35 years. So people already knew it from where it is. It had parking, it had, you know, it had good visual from the street. It had it, it just ticked all the boxes that we wanted. Um, the rent was okay, so we sort of we started it and it just started from there. Um, and, it, and it's been great. It has been, you know, and there were people. There's people that just sort of look and go, why, why? Why would you go from what you were doing to, you know, one small little suburban restaurant? But I don't know. I've, I loved it. I, I have a very different role um, to what I did have. Obviously in, in Morsel I was certainly all back of house. I was, I was admin. I was sort of general manager. I was HR. I was marketing. I was always in the office. I was, I was certainly not anywhere near the floor. Um, but... I would often sit in all the, you know, and if I go back years, then I, I worked on the floor, but it had been a long time. So when I first opened it, I found it really hard to find a restaurant manager. You know, we were in the suburbs and we were only new and it was small and I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And I started working on the floor and I, I actually loved it. I really enjoyed it, you know, and and it had that adrenaline that everyone, you know, gets when they work in the in the hospitality industry and it sort of started from there, so... What are some of the differences of opening a restaurant in the suburb and the way that you feel on the floor compared to, you know, these big CBD restaurants that you're involved with, like Aria and stuff from your from your past? I think the, I think it's a little bit easier. I think, dare I say, the people are a little bit nicer. Certainly, <laughs> our customers are lovely. Like I think they're really, it's it's a bit like they. Sometimes I often feel, especially after we've been there now for two years, I feel like people are walking into my own lounge room. You get to know, we've got a lot of regulars. We've got a lot of locals. You know, there are people that come from the eastern suburbs and they come from the beaches and all over. They do. But most of it, our core group is our locals. And and we know everyone. And and they're not, they're not stressed. They're not, like maybe, maybe their expectations are lower. So it's easier to, you know, give them what they're looking for. But it just feels, you know, that people are a little bit nicer, dare I say. 
if I'm allowed to say that. Um, I think in the city it's certainly places like Aria and, you know, the expectations are really high. It's it's really hard to, you know, it's not hard. You know, I, I know even now, Aria, they do it, they do it really well and, and the guys then did it really well. But restaurant running restaurants is hard no matter where you are but I think in the suburbs there's just a little bit more, maybe a little lower expectation. So I don't think there should be and we never set our expectations any lower, you know, and maybe that's why it's been so wonderful for us because we still, I still set the expectations and I know Simon sets it, you know, even higher. Um, and, and the food he's doing is fabulous. You know, you can get that in any city restaurant. It shouldn't make any difference whether you're in the city or you're in the suburbs. People still want to come in and they want to have a great experience and, you know, that's what hopefully we provide them each time they come. You mentioned that perhaps people's uh, expectations aren't as high from you guys, but a suburban restaurant like yours, what sort of role does it play in the community? Do you feel an obligation to provide and become a hub of the community? Is it, is it quite a different model in that respect? Um, I, think it, I think you couldn't be a restaurant in the suburbs without realising the importance of the locals. Um, and you are a hub, you know, and we decided we'd open breakfast, lunch and dinner, which I'm not sure really why we decided to do that, but it was it was <laughs> – Crazy. It, crazy. It was crazy at the time. But, you know, you have to, you do have to make every, all the numbers add up and you've got to work out how much rent you've got to pay. And, and But I think it's actually worked to our advantage. What When we decided to do breakfast, lunch and dinner, we went, okay, but how do you – and it, it hasn't been done very often in the sense that somewhere you go and pick up your coffee or somewhere you might, you know, drop in and have your bacon and they roll – do you really want to go back there and have what you would call quite a, you know, serious dinner? Um, so we we really worked on, okay, so what do you need for breakfast? And we, we sort of tried to get that right. And then we, we morphed it slowly. So you were, for dinner you would take the sugars off the table and you'd put the candles on. You know, the staff would take, you know, maybe their T-shirts off that was a bit more casual and they'd put on their white collared shirts. And the nuances for each little, we tried to make each service a little bit different and you changed it up a bit. And and people did. People, you know, were, <laughs> we sometimes laugh. There are people who have, you know, the mum will come in in the morning and have pick up her coffee and have a muffin with the kids for breakfast before she drops them off to school and then she'll meet a girlfriend there for lunch and she'll come back in later with, I don't know, a group of friends for dinner. It, it does happen. And so I think you do become a hub. Um, you become part of the community, but you have to. It's it's a big part of, you know, who we are and what we do. We have we are community-based, definitely, 100%. The commu- the, without the community, without the locals, we, we wouldn't have a restaurant. A little earlier you said that um, when the pandemic sort of happened and you were forced to close the doors, that was around about uh, the two-year mark of the restaurant. Can you tell us what the impact was initially on the restaurant and then how you adapted um, those next couple of weeks? Yeah, well, we – it was sort of as – it as it was happening and as we were hearing about it from a lot of people, um, we were, if anything, getting busier because everyone was working from home. So when it first started, sort of early March, you know, we were really busy. And so we were a bit like, wow, what's happening here? So the problem, was, the problem came in for us when the social distancing started and when the government started the four, I think, I think it started off at four per square metre um, and we had to limit the number of people. That really, because we're only a small, you know, space, it's not that big. So that, and we we were tight. We had tables, you know, fairly close to each other. That was part of the bars at the restaurant. 
to take the tables out and to reduce our numbers, that's when it really started hurting because we, we, we were based on volume. So you couldn't, you couldn't do it. I remember, I remember very clearly the Friday night it came on, it was like Friday at midnight. So we were okay for the Friday night, but then the Saturday night we had to ring, you know, reduce the numbers and we couldn't fit everyone in. And by the Sunday, I think on the Saturday I sat down and I did all the figures and I went, Simon and I met on Sunday morning and went, wow, this, if, if we have to maintain this level, we're actually better off to close because the rent we were paying out, everything, you know, the staff costs that we were carrying, it, it wasn't viable. It wasn't viable to stay open on the numbers that they were saying we had to do. And we had takeaway too. See, we were, we were, we were lucky in the sense that we already had our takeaway. It was already established. We already had everything set up. We had all the systems. But I also did the numbers on just doing takeaway if the restaurant had to close. And that definitely didn't work, you know, because you, you, needed, you needed each element. You need to have the restaurant working at full capacity for the takeaway to be viable. And then the catering, we did a lot of home catering, so that was all set up as well. But you needed to have each of the elements for it all to work. You couldn't, they didn't work independently. Um, so we closed and we, we closed on that Sunday. I don't think um, it, it was surreal. It was really odd, you know. We pulled all the stuff in and said, look, we're going to have to close, guys. We, we will do our best. We didn't, like I think most people know, by, we didn't have any idea what that JobKeeper was going to exist at this stage. And Simon and I sat down and went, just what do we do? You know, do we even have enough to pay everyone their annual leave? Because obviously the first thing they're going to do is go on to annual leave so they can, we can all work out what the hell was going on. Um, and luckily we did, we had, you know, if it, it, timing is everything. And if we had, if it had have happened 12 months before, even six months before, I think it would have been very different for us because your first year or your first 18 months of operation is hard, but you know, we, we had sort of solidified a few things being in just about into our second year. So yeah, it was, we were okay. We knew we were going to do it. And then obviously JobKeeper came in. So once we got JobKeeper, once again, I sat down and did the figures all over and I went, right, we can open for takeaway um, because we had the JobKeeper. And then slowly we opened when we could do 10 people and then we slowly opened when we could do 20 and, you know, got back to where we are now, which is still very, we're still 40% down on our numbers. Um, our numbers of, of, of patrons we can take in, of covers, but I think as a lot of people have said, we... We changed our model a little bit and we've got a two-course, three-course menu price, still full a la carte but a menu price. So we're not down as much as you would think given the numbers are down, if you know what I mean. So, But, yes, you know, where, where it goes next I think is where everyone's sitting here going, you know, shut down, open, shut down, open. I don't think that's something that any of us really want to get into because that's where it's going to get really hard. With the altered offering that you were delivering in the market or you, you still are delivering to the market, how important has the local community been and what's the response been to this different um, menu set up and also the takeaway offering? Well, the takeaway, a lot of people were very surprised. A lot of people when we closed were like, well, why? Why are you closing? Like, you do takeaway. Why can't we come and get out, you know, rotisserie chicken that they love so much? Or, like, you do takeaway. And to try and make them understand that it just wasn't viable you know we get a lot of messages and it's like well you know we can't 
we got a lot of love from the community and I think that was a really wonderful thing that came out of this. We got a lot of, we want you guys to come back. We're, we're here to support you. We love having you in our neighbourhood. So we want to do whatever we can. So when we first reopened for takeaway, we were really busy, you know, really busy. Um, and then the takeaway has sort of dropped back probably to what it was pre-COVID, which was still good, but, you know, it's... It's the model has almost gone back to what it was. But the, the community supported us 100%. They came back. They, they sent us messages of support. They, they really have supported us. And, and with very little pushback, I think, for the two-course, three-course, um, they were okay with that. It wasn't hugely different. You know, there's only a lot of people might have only come in, you know, and had two courses anyway. So it, it, it's, it's worked well for us. It has worked well. You know, I can't say that it wasn't difficult at times, but it, it certainly now is okay because of that community support that we've got, definitely. How have you felt during this time? You've got a long, illustrious career in the industry and you've seen some tough times previously, but how are you, how are you feeling through this process? Um, it's hard. It's hard. And you know what? It's hard. Two of my kids were and still are living in New York, that's hard. They're a really long way away. Um, my youngest is, you know, completing her nursing degree and working in an aged care facility at the moment. That's hard, you know. I, I don't think anyone ever thought that, like I said before, hospitality could be – it was almost like hospitality was bulletproof and I think we found that it was certainly not bulletproof. So, look, I don't know. I feel incredibly fortunate Um it's it has been a long career and there have been times that were really hard um but i don't know you you get through you know that the roller coaster ride of life it just it you just keep going when when things get tough you just keep going you just keep getting up and doing what you have to do and waiting because at some point it all sort of calms down again i'm not sure when but you just keep going with restrictions in place on restaurants and we hear of different establishments not abiding by restrictions and um, people sort of not abiding by the rules as well, what's it been like to manage that as a, as a restaurant owner in your own venue? It's really interesting, that one. Um, really interesting. And, and, and I, I guess it comes down a little bit, certainly my personality has always been to always do the right thing, you know, and so we have absolutely done, you know, we are, I think the measuring tape is my friend more now than anything else, you know, we get up because the, you lose the flexibility. We've lost, we've lost the ability when someone rings up to go, oh, we need a table of two. It's like, well, I just can't, you know, I can't go over my numbers. I can't squeeze another table in. I can't. And that's hard, I think, for a, for, hospitality is about, saying yes it's about looking after people it's about doing everything you can for people we can't do that anymore you know so that that's that's been difficult we've had um we've had to obviously I think I think cleaning we did that anyway we always joked you know all of us wash our hands you know 10 times a day anyway so we certainly have upped it we've got you know sanitizer everywhere and we've got the, the tables spaced what we're finding from people is that they're really appreciative of that there are a lot of restaurants 
certainly in the suburbs, um, certainly saying, look, I've got to make way, hey, while the sun shines, I've, I, I can't be turning people away. I have to, you know, I need to make up for the, the money I lost while we were closed. I feel like it's a, I feel like it's a very short-term view because a lot of people come into us and say, wow, it's so nice that you're doing everything properly because it means they trust us. It means that, you know, it means they're going to come back. And and they're often often people are saying to me, you know, wow, it's just, we just feel comfortable coming here because we know that you're doing the right thing, you know, and and that's why I just think it it has to be done. We all have to play the part, you know, of of what it's going to take to do whatever it takes to get rid of this or to move to the next step. Or I just don't think it's worth the risk. I I watch the news and I see all these these things come up and I think there would be nothing worse than your you know, venue coming up on on that list of, of if you've been here, you know, you could have. But at the same time, I feel like even though we're doing everything that we can, you know, we have the sanitizer when you walk in, we clean everything, but we're socially distanced, we're doing everything. I don't know. Is, is that going to be enough? It's, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so because I just think that would be it would be a horrible thing to have to happen, you know, if if someone came in who was and and you do you know there's there's people who are still going out when they feel sick and still you know thinking oh it'll be fine and that that's where it gets a little bit tough because it's out of it's out of our control we can't control everything and that's where it gets a little bit difficult because I think it'd be nice to be able to know that because we're doing everything right everything will be okay. A little earlier you mentioned that it's 40% down on normal trade and obviously there's restrictions on restaurants with social distancing at the moment. What's the reality moving forward, do you think, for the industry with these restrictions in place if they're continuing and continually have to sort of abide by these restrictions? Um, we've, we changed with, like I said before, going to the set price menu Um which has meant that even though we're down on numbers, we're not down hugely on takings. Um, when it's not winter time, and when we get into that sort of you know summer, spring, much warmer days, we've got quite a big outside area we can use. So, for us personally, I think it'll be okay. I think it'll almost be. It's almost. It's weird now. You know, you see something. You even you know you're watching TV or something, and you see people really close together, and you think, oh. That it just it feels odd. I think the social distancing is around for a while. I really do. You know, I think I think people have got very used to it. I think people really like it. I don't think people like being you know squished in and and so intimate with the people next to them. So I think it's around for a while. And I think restaurants are just going to have to somehow work ways of you know, find ways of working around it. But we're like I said, because we've got such community support, people have. People have been okay with it. People have been, you know, sure. There, I'm not saying everyone. There are people who walk in and go, well, why can't I just have a main course now? Um, and I'm like, well, because, you know, we've got such few numbers and, you know, it's what it's what we need to do to keep viable, to keep operating. It's just, it's just what we have to do. Um, and I think most people are just going, most restaurateurs are going to have to work with the social distancing and most customers are going to have to realise that there's a price they're going to have to pay for it, which it's just the way it has to be, unless 
they don't want their restaurants opening again, you know, or continuing, let's say, should I say, that if they don't want their restaurants lasting, maybe they can complain. But so far, touch wood, we've been, we've been really lucky. Everyone's been really supportive with the changes we've made. Do you think the pandemic will influence how restaurants will be designed in the future? Um, I hope not. I hope not. Um, I think that maybe we will. I think it's going to take a long time to get through it. But I think restaurants are just, they are what they are. There are time, there are nights when, you know, depending on who's in and what sort of customers and if you get too many twos, there's a real, there can be a real lack of energy in the room. You know, part of coming to a really vibrant, buzzy restaurant was, was part of the fun. Do you know what I mean? So I hope it doesn't get to the point where, you know, it's all, sterile and far apart and you know like I said when we were out and our restaurant and our tables were quite close together I would see even the connection you know people and because we're local people would come in and they'd all know each other and that table of two would be next to would be sat next to each other and then in the end they'd end up putting their tables together and they'd have a table of four so I think it's part of going out I think it's part so I hope not I do we we did change one thing we did do I've got a um a wonderful stylist that I used for the restaurant and I, I said to her, right, we've, we've got the booths, um, which I need, I need barriers. I need barriers between them because otherwise I can't use them. I said, but I don't want it to be plastic and I don't want it to look horrible. And so she came up with these beautiful stained glass windows that she reconditioned and put in as barriers. Um, and it almost looks like they should have been there in, in the beginning. So I think there are some design things that will, that certainly improve the restaurant because it does allow you a little bit of privacy without really separating everyone. But yeah, I hope the design doesn't get impacted by the by the pandemic. I don't. I certainly hope not. A little earlier on, you mentioned about how just before the pandemic, you actually had an increase in business because people were back in their communities, with uh, a lot of people questioning whether they need to be in the office moving forward at all or part-time do you think that we're going to see a a bit of a boom in the sort of community local restaurants moving forward I think so Um, and that's only from anecdotally I get a lot of customers who whether they pop in for their takeaway coffee or whether they pop in for lunch um, there just feels like people aren't rushing back people you know people are sitting there going well I get an extra two hours a day, you know. My commute was 45 minutes or 50 minutes or something on the way there and it was the same on the way back. You know, I just no – one's no one, no one wants to lose that time back to sitting in a car or sitting on a train. So I, we get a lot of people who are not rushing back to the office, you know. I mean, we're probably the little bit older um, demographic as well, sort of even if it's sort of 30-plus – you know, they they know that they're home and their kids get home. They've got more time on their hands. You know, that don't get me wrong. There are some people who are like, God, I can't wait to get back into the office. And I think, you know, if if any of us have to do any of those horrible Zoom meetings ever again, you know, they're just they're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> they're just horrible. Yeah. Um, but I do think the the commute to the office. I, th- I don't think it'll. I've find it hard to think that it'll ever get back to Monday to Friday, nine to five. I'm just not sure. It's maybe people go in two or three days a week, you know, maybe they change things around a bit. But from what I can tell, anecdotally from my customers, they're 
they're all happy to stay home. And, and therefore, yes, I think that, you know, there will be a growth of, of decent suburban restaurants because, you know, I guess restaurants go where the demand is, you know, or you just have to. You have to follow where the demand is. So I think, yes, I think the suburbs are certainly going to be strong for a while. And even, even the regional, I think regionally, you know, New South Wales and I know a few people in regional restaurants, you know, they're doing really well like they never have before and, Hopefully that stays. Hopefully, you know, people do pop out for a weekend or they do realise that it's, you know, it's not very far to go down to Barrel or pop up to somewhere, the mountains or whatever because – so I think, yes, I think so. I think restaurants will spread out a little bit more definitely than just being centralised in the city. A little earlier you mentioned, you know, the stresses of having, you know, your children in New York or working in – professions you know that's sort of on the front line um and at higher risk how have you dealt with the stresses and anxiety of that during this time um we we facetime a lot <laughs> facetime is fabulous um <laughs> i probably had more facetime conversations with my children in the last you know three months than certainly the last year or two years when they've been in new york because um because they're not working um they're, they're sensible. I'm not there's, – there's very little I can do about it. Um, so I sort of – you do worry. Sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you think, wow, they're such a long way away. But um, I trust them. I trust that they know what they're doing. Um, they're, they're quite strong and resilient people, and so, and I, which I think comes from the industries that, that they were raised in. Um, so, yeah, I just – I just keep – often taking one day at a time. I think um, the fact that obviously I had to count, I did have a trip to New York planned. Um, Pete was going to be there for six months over the summer, uh, six weeks, sorry, over the summer. Um, that's hard, you know, that for, for me personally, I've always been able to work really hard, but my breaks, my getting on a plane or my getting away have been re has been really important to me. Um, so that's hard. That is, that is something that you sit and go, wow. And so for a little while when it first started, I was like, oh, how am I going to do this? But I think you just sort of get used to it. You're just, just playing a waiting game, I think, you know. Life will come back to normal one day. We just have to wait for that as patiently as we can. You've always been the backbone of, of restaurants, you know, especially with Morsel and Matt Moran and Peter Sullivan was sort of the face of the business. Um, but you sort of mentioned how you loved being in the front of house again with Baronia and um, what is it that you love about, about restaurants and being in a restaurant? Um, I love being in the front of house in the sense of the connection with the customers. Um, I'm not great with the, with the public side of it. You know, I never, I never needed, I never would want or need that part of it, certainly. Um, so I just think it's the connection with people. I, I really find that oh, we've got some really lovely customers and, and it just it's just nice to get that that connection and that, that interaction with people. Um, you I think it's what is often missing. And and I've I've always found connection with people really important to me. But I guess in the Morsel group I found it I had it more with the staff. Um, and I would have a lot of connection with the staff as opposed to the customers. So as long as you get that human interaction, I just think it's, I think it's an important part of what we as humans need. I think that, you know, that that would be, that is what, 
would be a terrible loss in and I think that's you know as society if we if we do spend too much time on our phones and this you know it's very cliched but I think people need that human interaction and that connection with people and and it's just nice. It's nice to see people walk in and, and, and people are in good moods and they're happy to come and join you and they're, they're all celebrating or they're so it's just, it just gives you a good feeling. It really does, you know. So I, have, I, have, I, I was quite surprised how much I, I enjoyed working on the floor, definitely. Well, Baronia Kitchen, you know, it has become a hub of the community in Gladesville. What are you, what are you most looking forward to in the future as we sort of move forward beyond COVID? Um, apart from a two-week trip to New York um, <laughs> at some point post-COVID, then I just – I think longevity is important, I think, and I, I'm really settled and really happy. I don't – I don't, I'm not looking – I mean, obviously, I'm at a different stage in my life. I've, I've, I'd be happy just to keep, you know – Working at Baronia, it, it's it's a wonderful place. It's warm. I mean, we 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 are looking at um, next door. We have where we we have the office and we run the consultancy and we have the prep kitchen and wine store and stuff. We are going to put in a um, a small function room, which was always part of the plan. Um, it's like two old houses next door to each other. Um, that would certainly be the next step because I think we've time and time again proven that you know functions are a very important part of a restaurant's business um private dining rooms people want to be in groups that obviously is going to change you know at the moment we can only do 10 people so it'll be a while before we can get back to you know normal 40s and 50s and celebrations but certainly that is the next step um i think developing it 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 takes a long time to you know fully develop a restaurant we've done we can develop we were luckily we developed the takeaway in the um, when we were closed. That that certainly got the attention it maybe needed that it didn't have when we were opening the restaurant. So that's that's pretty strong now. The home catering is is great. People love the fact that they can come in and get something for you know six people or twelve people or people coming over for dinner and stuff like that. So so that works well. I mean. We've been, I think Simon and I between us, especially Simon, Simon's career has been um, very varied. You know, I, I know we first, Simon and I first worked together at obviously Aria where he was head chef. But then he and I both sort of moved over across to Aria Catering. Um, and so we did a lot of the catering side of it, um, which was really allowed us to, which is very different, quite different to um, running a restaurant. So I think I think I feel very fortunate that we've got a skill set that has a lot of variation to it, you know. And and I trust Simon implicitly in the sense of he's he's incredibly organised chef, you know. He I know that whatever needs to be done, he will have an organised brain to be able to work out exactly how it needs to be done. Um, and and he's got the you know the skill to be able to provide the level of quality in the food that people are looking for, you know, but at, at a good price. So I think just, what's the word for it, perhaps just solidifying, just, you know, continuing to grow and just change it, changing. You're, you're always changing in a restaurant, you know. We change the restaurants. We change the menu four or five times a year. We have specials on the menu because you have to because if you have regulars coming in once a week, 
you know, if for four weeks they're going to be sick of that menu. So you have to have specials. So we're continually, or Simon is certainly continually creating dishes, you know, for specials. So it's enough, I think. It's more than enough to keep us busy for, for quite a while, for quite a while. Well, Susan, I know you're not one to seek the limelight. No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're truly honoured to um, for you to share your story with us today. It's been extraordinary. Um, please keep in touch. Um, it's been amazing talking to you today and thanks for being on Deep in the Weeds. Fabulous. Thanks so much, Anthony. Appreciate it. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's HOSPO community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>